Welcome to the Heartbeat Show podcast with Tim Hart, talking mortgage, real estate, and whatever else is happening in our Southwest Florida community and around the world. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Tim Hart, branch manager of Van Dyke Mortgage here in Fort Myers. Welcome to another episode of the Heartbeat Show podcast. Today, I got a guy I met about six months ago. Chad, we met. I think so, yeah. Around there? Yeah, we'll call it six months. Um, I got speaker and now national best-selling author, Chad Porter. Chad, how you doing, sir? I'm wonderful. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on. That's, uh, that's going to be pretty cool for you, man. National best-selling author. Yeah, I think if you would have asked my uh, teachers growing up if uh, I would have uh, written a book, they would have questioned whether or not I read a book. Um, in school. So no, I, I'm very proud of it. We spent a lot of time. I have a co-author, Mike Voorhees, who um, sat beside me and helped me along the way. And just to get this story out there, I had a lot of people for so long wanting to to see the whole story and hear the whole story. So uh, it took me about, took us about two and a half years to to write the book. Probably shouldn't have taken us quite that long, but life gets in the way. But we're super proud, man. This thing has exploded. People are loving it. It's a quick read. It's an easy read, but it's one of those that are touching some hearts. I get a lot of messages about uh, the good things that are coming out of reading the book. Awesome. Well, the book is called what? Severed Dreams, Reconstructing Your Purpose, right? Correct. Cool. And so let's, um, let, well, let's just, you know, segue into that then. Let's, let's dive into, I, I heard your story once before. And by the way, we met um, Mike Hollow. I don't know if you know this or not, but Mike Hollow from Remax had looked for a speaker and he went through, I think he said it was 30 or 40 different videos of speakers. And then he found yours and he booked you right from your video. So he went through a lot of people, man, to get to you. So I just want to make sure. Very blessed. Very blessed. And you know, when I, when I do my videos, I I try not to tell the whole story in the videos. I try to give just enough teasers that it draws your interest in and, and certainly I've been very blessed to work with a couple of great uh, videographers over the years that have you know, helped make some pretty special videos for us. And, and I want the videos not only to market myself, but also just to hopefully touch some people and, and help them through you know, situations in their lives and the things that they're going through as well. So hopefully it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Those things um, can work in both, both fashions. Yeah, I saw a good one you did with the Bills, the Buffalo yeah. Bills. Yeah, that, that was, was a cool experience. Man. Yeah, Brandon Bean, the general manager of uh, the Buffalo Bills, had me in last spring, almost a year to the day. And um, I think they had uh, it was the week before their first preseason game. So I came in and spoke to the whole team and, and coaching staff. And just a great experience, a great organization, great leadership. Got to spend the day on the field with them while they practiced and speak, spoke to a lot of the players afterwards. And just just hearing some of their stories and how my story really helped and touched their lives, how they can implement some of the things that we talk about into their own lives. Even, even these million dollar athletes that uh, I, I was able to speak for, it's just a great experience. A great, great organization. I was glad to be able to do it. All right. And I, I guess I might as well ask now as I was going to ask, but you just met Dabo Sweeney. I did. All right. Uh, I, you, um, you know, it's one of those things where every once in a while you send out an email and somebody writes you back. And I 
don't solicit a ton of business. I have business come to me, so I don't go out and write a bunch of emails to uh, businesses trying to drum up business. But Dabo was one of those individuals that I really wanted to get in front of, and I wanted him to hear my message and his values line up perfectly with mine. Um, the things he, he, he believes in line up perfectly the way he runs his team as a family. And so I sent an email to Dabo Sweeney or whoever was his contact at Clemson at the time and sent the Buffalo Bills video and wrote why I was interested in coming to speak for his team. And it wasn't but about a week later, I had a response and I had the um, head of football operations uh, give me a call and we just started conversing and finally found a date that uh, it worked for everyone. And I got to spend a couple of days up there um, with the team and, and sharing some time. I got to take my boys with me as well, which was a good experience for them. And, and Dabo is exactly what you see. He is the king of all kings coaching wise. He is a, a gentleman, a, a great man. He took us into his office. We spent you know, a half hour just chatting with him and just talking about life and what his team was going through and what he wanted them to hear when I spoke to the team. And it was awesome. It's a great experience. So, um, yeah, he wrote a, he was very, very happy to, to endorse in a video. So I got a brand new video out from him and it's just, you know, just thrilled to be able to do it. And so I'm actually today, I spent some time redesigning the cover of the book. So we're going to include, uh, Dabo's endorsement on the cover of the book as well. So yeah, man, that's a. And that was really. I told him. I said, "You don't have to pay me, man. This is more than than payment or anything is worth. You know, um, having your blessing and, and your um, endorsement of what it is that I'm doing." So he was. Yeah, I had actually sent his book, my book, to him um, a few months ago, and uh, he had a chance to read it and, and just just thrilled with it. So very excited to be able to do that. That's awesome, man. You met Dabo Sweeney and got a backing from him with an endorsement and all that stuff. Cool. Good for you. And dude, lesson learned, right? Like that was, you sent an email to the guy. Like you asked, like you asked for, I don't want to say asked for his business, but you, you know, he shot the message out and look who responded freaking Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've sent, I've sent a few out and um, <laughs> I hear you. I've been able to get back. Uh, what, one of the other coaches that I was really excited to hopefully go and speak for was Coach K, and uh, he sent me back a long email. And at the time that I asked him, it was just the worst time ever for me to be asking him if we could get – they were literally getting ready to leave for an overseas trip uh, to Italy last year. And so it was just the worst time for me to send him an email asking to come and speak to the team. But he was very gracious, said, we'll definitely get you in here at some point in time, just right now, it's just not the perfect time. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the next key one that I would love to go and speak for. So There you go. Go see Mullen and the Gators too, man. Help me out. Hey, I am open to, to, to whoever would like to bring me in. <laughs> opinion, like Dabo said, anyone with ears needs to hear the message. So um, I would love to be able to share it with whoever and whenever. And I've spoken from anywhere from an audience of, of 10 to, you know, 8,000. So it's, it's, uh, it's one of those messages that's very universal and, and we all need it at some point in time. Well, cool, man. Well, let's get to it. Let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, I'm going to kind of probably hand off and let you uh, run with it from here. But if you don't mind filling in the listeners on, you know, your story, you know, what your book's about. I'll be happy to. So I was in high school, I felt like I had everything figured out at 15 years old as, as a lot of 15 year olds do, I think. And I was 
very athletic, had a lot of things going for me in the right ways. I was already on some recruitment lists for uh, college football, and I was the MVP of the football team my freshman year and played basketball as well. And I was, uh, I caught almost every touchdown there was that entire season for the football team. We were the worst football team you've ever seen in the state of North Carolina, but uh, things were going well for me. But uh, I was a, joined a, a, a water ski team in uh, White Lake, North Carolina, both my parents being teachers and coaches, we would leave during the summer and, and go to this lake. So I joined this water ski team. I started water skiing when I was four years old, started barefoot water skiing when I was about 10 or 11. And so I joined this ski team. We would travel all over to different lakes and do these ski shows, just like Cypress Gardens, or maybe you've seen Jaws 3 before and the shark chases around the pyramids. Yeah, classic scenes. So, yep, it is. And uh, we don't use sharks generally, um, but we went up and did this ski show to this little tiny lake. And at the end of the show, um, chaos ensued. Uh, it was just a, a freak, freak accident where we had just finished the last act of the day in the pyramid. And we jumped out of the back of the boat and we're walking back toward shore. And, and all of the acts were done by kids between the ages of eight and 18 years of age. So we were high five and big smiles on our faces. The life was just perfect. And all of a sudden uh, the boat, when the driver, unfortunately, when he put it into neutral, he must have clicked it in the reverse position. Something happened. And the other dad in the boat realized something wrong was happening. He yelled at the driver to turn the boat off. He spun around in his driver's seat. Something happened, his elbow hit the throttle and it pulled it into reverse completely and the boat took off backwards. And we just happened to be, I just happened to be the only one directly in line of the boat when it took off. And I tried to react, I didn't really know what was happening, but I tried to get underneath the water, go all the way down to the bottom, but it was just waist deep water, nowhere to go. So I was right in line. The suction of the propeller was being pushed by about 450 horsepowers of engine and it was moving very very fast and creates a lot of suction the suction pulled me right to the propeller and it just started chopping me up and there was nothing i could do nothing i could get away from it was just going to continue to hit me until the boat finally got stopped somehow unfortunately the two dads falling down in the boat couldn't stare it couldn't turn it off couldn't slow it down and the boat ran into another boat on shore and finally stopped itself where they could turn it off and they pulled me out from underneath the boat i remember looking down and knowing that something wrong had happened, but not to what, I didn't know to what extent. And I looked down and the right leg came up out of the water and it was severely broken, bones sticking out of it, laid open, blood shooting three feet in the air, just total, total chaos. Of course, the pain creeps in. They put me on the dock, started working on me. And a little bit later, I, I realized that the accident was a little bit worse than I had, had expected it to be. In all the chaos of trying to stop the bleeding, uh, I heard, Someone get us some ass and a snorkel to see if we can find his foot. And so I realized immediately. You heard someone say that? That was the time, first knowledge at all that I had, that I had lost a leg in the accident. And so it was cut clean off and it's lost in the lake and they can't seem to find it. So what I thought I had started to control in my own mind, I thought, you know, well, listen, I can, they can put a broken leg back together. They can stitch it up. They can patch it all together. The right leg is, that's all I saw. And so I started to literally feel okay about what was happening. It was still conversing with the person that was at my head. And, uh, and then when they said that, I immediately, I think went into a mental shock to some extent. Uh, I didn't go out. I didn't pass out, but I wanted to go to sleep. I wanted someone to knock me out because I didn't want to have to, 
deal with what was going on because I felt like it was, a, it was a nightmare that someone would wake me up at some point in time and it would all have been a dream. And, um, but there was, nobody took medical advice from a 15 year old when I was begging them to hit me in the head with a ski that day. So they, uh, immediately just took me into an ambulance, took me to the first hospital, started working on me and realized that they couldn't handle me. So they had called a a helicopter from Duke to come and pick me up. And man, I'm, you would, think that this is, I mean, actually, you remember old, the old TV show ER? I mean, back in the day when, right. oh, excuse me, um, uh, it was like a rescue 911 show where they would actually do documentaries and, and re, they, they would review these stories of, of, of um, ER, you know, and, and first responders type of things, rescue 911, I think was the name of the show, but they had actually called to do a reenactment of my accident at one point in time in high school and Ended up not going to to uh, to TV, but it was one of those things where you would think would be just dramatic and sad. And but there are some moments in this story along the way that would literally you'll laugh to your stomach hurt. It is just unbelievable some of the stories that happened along the way. And I'll tell you one quick one: when we started to get me on the helicopter to go to Duke, they couldn't fit me on the helicopter because they had ordered the the, the helicopter for a 15 year old kid. Problem was, I was about six foot three, six foot four, weighed about 200 pounds, had a size 13 shoe. I was hanging off the stretcher, and every time they tried to slide me into the helicopter, my foot kept hitting the front dash of the helicopter, and they could not get me in the helicopter. Now, I was dying right there in front of their eyes, and so the pilot's yelling at the nurse for them to go, and we'll call for the other helicopter. It'll be on its way. It'll take 15 minutes to get here. The nurse yells back at him. If we don't get him to Duke right now, he won't make it. And you're hearing all this. Uh, yeah. My next point, a lot of times I say, I wish they would have learned sign language at some point in time during this whole <laughs> educational process of theirs. But no, I, yes, I heard all of it. And, and so I'm starting to realize how serious sign language. So um, next thing I know, this nurse says she's got this plan of putting me into this helicopter and they're going to strap me down to the stretcher. They're going to take the stretcher and literally just flip the stretcher on its side with me in it. Um, promised me I wouldn't fall off or anything like that started to get me on the helicopter. I ended up meeting this nurse a year later and she sat me down. She says, Chad, do you remember the process that we had to go through to get you on the helicopter? And I said, uh, yeah, I, I remember it pretty clearly. She said, but do you know what you said to me when I told you my whole plan of flipping you upside down and I promise you wouldn't fall off? And I said, no, I don't remember what I said. She said, you look right at me and said, don't worry, if I fall off the stretcher, I won't run away. So it's just one of those moments become funny it, for some reason when you start to pass away. I don't, I'm not really sure how that works, but maybe blood loss makes you a little bit more funny. But all right, so, you turn into a stand-up comedian. Yeah, she started crying and laughing all at the same time, and they flipped me upside down, got me in there, took me to Duke, and you know they they did an amazing job up there. They only gave me about a 25% chance to live through the first surgery. Things were just not going very well, and. They it worked. They put me all back together and spent about a month in the hospital through a lot of surgeries, mainly mainly just defending against all of the infection that was setting into the body and um, the open wounds from the right leg. The, the boat pretty much took care of the left leg for the most part. It it took it off right below the calf muscle on the left side, so I have my knee, thank goodness. But uh, I, I lost the leg from about calf muscle down and um, never found it. So if you'd like to send some people that way to, to go and search that lake. I'd love to have it back, put it on the coffee table. Like yeah. Um, but Frame yeah, it. it's been about a month in the hospital, just dealing, you know, 
you know, dealing with everything you can imagine dealing with, you know, the pain, the, the recovery, the, the emotional, you know, toil that it takes on your, it takes on you and just trying to figure out what life's going to be like at that point in time. And I think that that was one of the main reasons I wanted to write the book was, you know, we all go through our trials and we all go through our, our tough times in our lives. And, and we'd love to think that if we did all the right things in this world, that we wouldn't ever have to deal with those bad things. But, you know, there's no script to how to get through things. There's no you know, outline, but I'm hoping through my story and some of the things that I dealt with along the way that hopefully there will be a little bit of hope and encouragement to those that are battling some of the things that they're going through, knowing that, hey, listen, I, I've been through some things similar. I don't ever tell anybody I understand what you're going through because everybody deals with different things in different ways. And, but I think it's important to let them know that, hey, listen, as long as you're breathing, you got a chance and you got a, you know, another day to, to keep fighting and, and keep working. And, and I, I had low expectations of what my life was going to be like after this, especially having high hopes of, you know, being an athlete, going to play college football, going to play pro football, those things that, that I knew were going to happen and there was nothing that was going to stop me. And to have this type of accident happen where all of a sudden life seems to have completely shut down and everything you've ever dreamed and wanted in your life would never be the same again. And that's, where I felt my life was going towards. And um, it, it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. Um, there was a lot of questioning. There was a lot of why me? There was a lot of why did it, well, why did, what did I do to deserve, to deserve this? And so the book describes those things, I think, beautifully. Uh, you know, a lot of the thoughts that I had, a lot of the um, thoughts of giving up that I went through. And, um, you know, I, I met with, a youth, one of the last lines in the book, the last line in the book, I met with a, a youth. I worked with a lot of youth in my church and in my community. And one of them sat down, she said, you getting run over by that boat was the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> and I looked at her like she had four heads and my, it didn't take me, but about 10 seconds to sit there and stare at her to say, you know what? You're absolutely right. It, it was the day that changed everything for me. I thought at, time it was the change for the worse and it was never be I'd never have the life I wanted and it turned in from hope and faith and encouragement and hard work and fighting and and to being the best blessing of my life I mean it has changed everything for me and it is it has opened up so many windows for me to be able to help others and I mean my my philosophy on life is our life is not for us to live it's not for uh, us to live for us, it's us, what can we do for others, you know, in our lives, and, and, and then that turns into someone else being able to give to others in their lives, and so I, it has absolutely been a life changer for me in so many ways, and, and I, I can't think of any way that it's changed my life uh, in, in a bad way, so it's, um, I've been very fortunate to not have given up that night, um, in the hospital so yeah you mentioned giving up do you mind if we um dig a little deeper on that like do you mean or, giving up like suicide or giving up like i'm just gonna become a, a couch potato and you know and stop moving and just kind of i had all the i had all, every single one of those thoughts without question um i know i do know that you know and i talk about it in the book and i talk about it when i'm on stage as well but uh, i was actually 
about three and a half weeks in, they brought a videotape in of some amputees playing basketball. And it was supposed to inspire me and fire me up and show me what life's going to be like. And, I mean, I was really excited to watch it because in the early 90s, I'd never seen anyone with one leg before. I'd never met anyone. But we see amputees today doing some amazing things and create, I mean, climbing mountains and all of these things. And, and so it doesn't surprise us that there are athletic amputees. But back then, there really yeah. anybody doing those things. And, right, you're right. I, I remember that. You're right. And so when they put this videotape on, I immediately went from inspired to my life is over with pretty much everything that I ever thought that I was going to want um, is now done. And I felt bad because they only wanted to inspire me, but it did the opposite. The opposite. We have a saying in the South called bless your heart. And I'm sure you've yeah. heard that before, but uh, if I said, Hey man, uh, your hair looks great today. Bless your heart. You know, right. it's probably not that big of a compliment, although you look wonderful today, but for, for hey, me, sure their hearts they barely ran they barely jumped they barely they look like one-legged people trying to play basketball and that was not for me I was not going to be the one that just everyone says oh look at him he's doing so well he's so inspiring um it's not who I wanted to be I wanted to be back to myself I wanted to be back to being competitive I wanted to be back to being the star athlete that I had been previously and I knew that wasn't going to happen anymore and I was convinced that it wasn't going to happen and that night I, although every other night of my whole stay in the hospital, there was somebody with me at the hospital and I'd worn a mask on my face and it wasn't Halloween or Oscar mask. It was just a, this fake smile on my face that just said, everything's going to be okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm all right. Every time someone asked me how things were going, but I had never thought about it, never even been alone for a moment to be able to think about what my life was going to be like. But that night after that video, that was the only night that someone wasn't standing in the room with me, but they didn't know how badly I had hurt inside because I had my, my mask on and so that night I cried for the first time and and I mean it was snot bubbles and wet pillows and all of these you know I call it I'd like to attribute it to like a middle school breakup cry you know when you had your heart broken in middle school and it was never ever going to be the same again that's kind of the feeling I felt that everything was being taken away from me and so I asked why a thousand times that night I mean I asked why over and over and over again and as clearly as I'm speaking to you um I heard don't worry, you'll find out. And, and I know now that it was God speaking to me and, and just letting me know, hey, listen, I'm not here to give you all the answers. I'm not here to show you the pathway of what your life is going to be like from this point forward and where it's going. But trust me that it's going to be okay and you're, you're going to figure out why. But previous to that, had I been able to get out of the bed that night and take my life, I probably would have. Um, I just, I could, I could not see past the darkness in front of my face. I could not see that there might be a light down the road that was going to be so much better or just okay. Um, only thing I could see was me not being able to do the things that I thought that I was put on this earth to do. And once I realized that those were being taken away from me, that was it. But that night after crying and crying and crying, asking why a thousand times, I heard this voice and for some reason, it was just enough to help me to stop crying and, and just to start now refocusing myself and saying, what, what do I do now? What, where do I go from here? And, you know, I would love to just tell you that it was just, oh, wow, just this bright light and everything was fine. And I was happy from that point forward. And I just moved forward. But I did make a conscious decision that I wasn't going to give up that night. That Whatever was written in front of me, I was just going to give it every drop of effort I had. And I didn't know where that was going to lead me. I didn't think it was going to end up being um, anything special. 
Well, because of that fight and having that, you know, encouragement from family and, and that passion to just be better the next day than the day previous, that is what led me to end up playing two years of basketball in high school. I uh, never thought that that would happen. I uh, ended up you know, starting every game. I, I, I loved it. And I was competitive again. I was strong again. I was athletic again. I was all of these things. And, and there were a lot of bumps in the road. Don't let me fool you that it was just easy and it came. But I was one of the first people in the country to play competitive sports with an artificial leg. That was in the you know, mid early to mid-90s. And uh, it just wasn't done. But I didn't care about what wasn't done at that point. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And I was just one way or the other, I was going to figure it out. And, and I did. And, and just change started to change my world again to give me confidence again that I was back to being me and you can't it takes a lot of hard work and I tell people all the time that the fight is worth it but before you can fight you got to know that you're worthy and that you're deserving of amazing things and that you're not created to be a failure you're going to fail along the way but no matter how many times you get knocked down you got to get back up and, and you're worth the fight and the fight is worth it so for me, it's just been an amazing ride, and, and there are so many stories and hilarious moments and tearful moments, and everyone that has reviewed my book, it's always the same thing. Man, I laughed so hard, and I, the next second I was crying, and, and it's just most people, once they've started the book, have not put it down until they finished it, so it's, uh, it's just been awesome to be able to share that, but it, is, it, it does come with some vulnerability as well, just really diving down into your soul and and talking about exactly how you felt. And, and, um, but I, I think it was necessary to do, and I'm hoping that the book will heal a lot of people and help a lot of people through some things that they're dealing with um, in their own lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that part of you saying God spoke to you. You know, like, um, I had something similar. I'm not going to tell a story here, but like, um, it's a little longer for another podcast. But um, it was the same exact thing. It was... Did it seem like it was your voice, though? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't that profound to come up with, hey, don't worry, you'll figure it out. No, but you knew it wasn't your – I mean, but um, like, yeah. it wasn't my – it said just kind of sound like me, but I knew it wasn't me. Sure. Like, I heard it by myself, plain as day, right. and it said, call your buddy and tell him everything's going to be okay. That's what the right. voice told me, and I did it, and they were like, it was so cool what all happened after that. But – um. That's so neat, man. I'm glad you share that. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, whenever I get on stage and I've spoken for Fortune 500 companies, I do about 60 events a year on stage speaking all over. And, and I don't always get the opportunity to share my whole story, meaning that, you know, that we have in a, in a world that's, you know, taking everybody under consideration and not wanting to, you know, impose religion and, and faith and those things. Sometimes in the workplace, people are cautious. Right. And, and I'm smart about what I do on stage and what I say, but if you want to hear it, you'll hear it on stage. But if you don't, you'll miss it completely. But in my book, I was able to really just tell the whole story. And, and so I don't always get to do that. So a lot of people who hear my story on stage always come up to me after and say, you know, I would love to hear the full story because they know there's more to it. <laughs> right. Uh, when it comes to the book, it just really opens those doors up. And, and even those people who, uh, have different beliefs than I do have read the book and it doesn't impose it doesn't turn anybody away man the book is still great for everybody no matter what yeah I mean it's um 
I, I mean, I don't know who, who you get, how you get mad at, you know, a story like that. Um, but so the, um, with, I remember when you spoke and I'm sure it's in the book and I've got to check it out, but like you told, dude, a story that like brought the house down was during one of your high school. And I, you don't tell it now it's a teaser. But no, high, man, I'll tell it. No, no worries. Okay, all right. <laughs> so when, uh, I was, I was very self-conscious about the way I looked, um, obviously being different, being a teenager. And even as much as success that I'd had doing things, I was still self-conscious. I mean, I was still trying to you know, get in. So I didn't want anybody to know I had an artificial leg when I played basketball. And you would think that would be one of the hardest things to do to hide because they're not going to let me wear sweatpants on the basketball court. So um, I was kind of the white boy back in the day, back in the early 90s, who brought back the high socks. So uh, nobody really wore high socks back in high school. But I covered my scars on the right leg. I covered up my whole artificial leg on the left side. Um, now, I have a leg today that is, you know, colorful, and you can see all the parts in it. But back then, I had a cut leg that's supposed to look like a real leg. Uh, kind of tough because you can't really have fake hair and stuff like that, and your tans never match up. But anyway, but I covered it up with socks all the way up to the top. So literally both legs were shaped identical to each other, but just looked like I had terrible fashion sense running up and down the basketball court. But in one night, uh, my senior year, I jumped up for a rebound in an away gym. Nobody in the gym knows I have an artificial leg. Obviously my team does, the parents and the fans of my high school do. But the other crowd, Pack gym has no idea. So I jumped up for a rebound and I threw it out for a fast break and I fell underneath the goal. I got back up, started taking off down the court again, fell again underneath the goal, realized that what had been promised to me would never, ever happen. Chad, you cannot break your prosthesis. They've been tested on high caliber athletes. No one in our history of our company has ever broken a leg before. <laughs> this thing was snapped in two. I've broken 15 of them since I started wearing them. They don't like me very much at that company. But um, you can't, they don't bleed when they break. You can't you know, really see anything. Um, so I got up and started just hopping off the court and just trying to get back to the bench. I was mad I didn't get to play anymore. Got about halfway to the bench and all of a sudden there were screams in the crowd and people were running out. There were babies crying. And I mean, it was just pure chaos. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? So I looked back and about mid shin, this real looking leg was bent into doing 360s and the foot's just spinning around as I'm trying to get off of the court. It was the worst glorious scene you have ever seen in your entire life minus the blood and everybody in that gym th thought my leg was snapped in two and I was hopping around and the bones were just sliding against each other as this thing was spinning in 360s and the other teammates were running beside me from the other team just get on the ground man just lay down on the ground don't <laughs> not one of them was willing to grab it and touch it and pick it back up or anything like that so I was just, I remember my teammates were laughing on the court. If you can just imagine, they look like the worst people on the face of the earth. Right. They're sitting there laughing, and everybody in this gym thinks I'm in serious pain, and all of this is just, you know. So um, I remember just telling the other players on the other team, I'm fine, just get away from me. Because I was mad I couldn't play anymore. Only thing they were doing was trying to help me. And I know they were just like, my God, this guy is a Superman. There he yeah, dude, you are the toughest SOB ever. the toughest ever. dude ever. So. Right. I've had some fun, and I could tell you many, many more stories, and there's plenty in the book, but, man, there, there are some situations I have been in that have uh, freaked some people out. Halloween was always fun for me. You can read about that in the book and all that kind of stuff. But, um, man, we had a uh, – I've learned to love it, and I've learned to love who I am, and it took me a while to get there. And it took me, honestly, completely until I had a gentleman make me an artificial leg that 
did not look like a real leg. It looked like it had psychedelic colors on it, and you could see all the parts, and it was no hiding what my situation was. And he built that leg for me for free for me to wear. And I promised him no matter what he made, I would wear it. And I wore it to the mall that day, and he knew what he was doing because – I walked through that mall and people started just to smile and to say, man, that is a cool looking leg versus just staring at me and trying to figure out what was different about my legs and trying to see what was going on. And all of a sudden it didn't happen overnight, but all of a sudden I started just falling in love with just being different. And I started falling in love with who I was and, and mm -hmm. what I represented. And I didn't care what people thought because it all of a sudden became, you were a freak to do that is a pretty awesome leg and so ever since then man i tried to just get something that's eye popping and catching i had one for a while that was literally chrome it looked like a terminator i mean you could see I, if I, my hair was bad in the morning i could hold the leg up and fix it i mean it was that awesome so um but yeah man it's no matter what your situation is love who you are you're deserving of amazing things and and i just i i want you to be able to give yourself a fighting chance because you're definitely worth it without question and and it's just been an amazing ride for me, an amazing journey. So I'm happy to be able to be on stage and share it with companies and, and conferences all over the United States and abroad and um, for the book to finally be out there for people to be able to take their own time and hear the story. So I appreciate it, man. It's been awesome. Well, dude, awesome story. Uh, awesome book. I'm sure, dude, you'll continue to crush it. So let's get this thing wrapped up. I want uh, you to be able to tell people, um, you know, how they can purchase the book and we'll throw whatever links you want into the post as well to, to guide them. Well, I appreciate that a lot. So uh, this is the book, Severed Dreams. If you happen to, I don't think there's really many other Severed Dreams on Amazon, but you can find it on Amazon. Um, and my website as well, if it's easier just to grab it there, it has links to everywhere you can purchase the book. So my website is just chadporter.org, C-H-A-D-P-O-R-T-E-R.org. And links to videos that I have out there and testimonies and all of these fun things on the website. They've done a great job putting it together. And uh, you know, I'm just here to serve and here to be a part of, of making your company better. I've done a lot of leadership training, teamwork training, just inspirational, motivational keynote speaking. And I'm just uh, really privileged to do the things. I'm actually heading to San Antonio uh, tomorrow to go and speak to 1200 teachers before their their school season starts and if some pumping up and some inspiring get them ready there's definitely need a little bit of that so i'm looking yeah, they need it dude yeah. <laughs> i think the mortgage business is hard my wife's a teacher man it starts now dude it'd be great clock at night you know it's crazy man crazy play yes. chad i appreciate you dude thank you very much for coming on wish you nothing but continued success in the future anytime you want to talk come on back okay I appreciate you. thanks buddy no problem, guys. If you're watching us out there, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. I'd appreciate it. YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're at. That's where I'm at, too. Um, you need anything, give me a holler. Always here to help you guys. Any mortgage needs in Southwest Florida. Chad, thanks again, bro. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. See you later. All right, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>